0: Hello and welcome back to the UFO and Aliens podcast. I'm your host, Rick Black. Thank you for tuning in and I hope you're having as much fun listening as I am talking. I'm having so much fun that I'm going to jump right into today's episode. At the end of the movie, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, when the giant spaceship comes down on the top of Devil's Tower, you see a man with a beard, glasses, and a pipe. He looks like a professor and someone of authority. I always thought it was an actor playing the part of J. Allen Hynek, the astronomy professor who studied UFOs. But it wasn't. It actually was J. Allen Hynek. J. Allen Hynek actually consulted Spielberg on the film. He was the one who came up with the Close Encounters classification system. Some of the elements in the film were inspired by actual events that Hynek investigated. So how did Hynek get involved in all of this? During the mid to late 40s, there seemed to be an increasing number of reported UFO sightings. Not knowing if this posed a risk to national security or not, the Air Force thought, hey, we probably should look into this. Our job, after all, is national security. So they started Project Saucer. They later renamed it Project Sign. Its purpose was to collect, evaluate, and distribute within the government all information related to UFO sightings on the premise that they might represent a national security threat. Early on, they realized that they needed outside expertise to help go through all the reports they were getting. They really wanted to get a person knowledgeable about astronomy, someone who could tell which cases could be easily explained by astronomical phenomena, such as planets, stars, and meteors. So the Air Force sought out the director of Ohio State University's McMillan Observatory, one J. Allen Hynek. So, some men from the Technical Center at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base paid Dr. Heineck a visit. The men asked him if he would like to help them by serving as a consultant for the Air Force on the subject of flying saucers. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall during that conversation. How do you respond to that? Well, Heineck responds by saying yes. He hadn't really given much thought to UFOs and flying saucers, so he didn't think that this would take too long. Little did Hynek know he would be drawn into a lifelong search for the truth about UFOs and he would become one of the most famous and, at times, controversial scientists of the 20th century. Hynek was a skeptic, and he wouldn't have ever dreamed how much his own opinions of UFOs would change in the coming months and years as he persisted in bringing rigorous scientific inquiry to the subject. Project Sign reigned for a year, and in that single year, they looked at a whopping 237 cases. According to Heinrich's final report, about 30% of the cases could be attributed to astronomical phenomena like Venus, meteors, etc. Another 35% could be explained away as being balloons, rockets, flares, or birds. That leaves 33% unexplained. 13% didn't have enough evidence. That doesn't mean that they were alien spacecraft. It simply means that there wasn't enough evidence to say one way or the other what it was. That leaves 20%, almost 50 cases in one year, with some evidence that couldn't be explained. It didn't seem that the Air Force was very interested in looking into these cases any further. They were just classified as unidentified I think this attitude toward unexplained cases bothered Heineck. In 1949, Project Sign was shut down by the Chief of Staff of the Air Force for lack of proof, and it was replaced by Project Grudge. How do you like that name, Project Grudge? Project Grudge claimed that all UFO reports were a result of, A, misidentifications of various conventional objects, B, A mild form of mass hysteria and war nerves. C. Individuals who fabricate such reports to perpetuate a hoax or to seek publicity. And D. Psychopathological Persons. Project Grudge basically concluded that UFOs couldn't exist. It also suggested that the subject of UFOs wasn't worth further study. But people kept seeing UFOs. They were still reporting UFOs. There were even strange incidents reported from the Air Force's own radar operators. The media picked up on the UFO phenomenon and started to cover UFO stories. Life magazine did a 1952 cover story. Edward R. Murrow did a program about UFOs and even interviewed Kenneth Arnold the pilot who saw the UFOs over Mount Rainier in Washington State. So, the Air Force was forced to bring back Project Grudge, which soon became Project Blue Book. J. Allen Hynek joined Project Blue Book in 1952. His day job was still teaching at Ohio State University. In 1960, he moved to Northwestern University in Evanston, Illinois, to chair its astronomy department. He continued to work for Project Blue Book on the side until it ended in 1969. His job at Project Blue Book was to review the reports of UFO sightings and to determine whether there was a logical astronomical explanation. This mostly involved a lot of paperwork, but from time to time, he would get a chance to get out into the field, usually if it was a particularly puzzling case. He's trying to look at everything scientifically and debunk what he can with good explanations. He examined hundreds of cases, but one sticks out because of his explanation. We've heard about this one. On March 20th, 1966, Frank Manor was spending a quiet night at home with his wife and his son, Ronald, at their farmhouse northwest of Dexter, Michigan. At about 8.30 p.m., they saw strange lights and they thought, They saw something land in their front yard. Manor said they looked out to the north and saw what looked like a falling star. It was red and it was coming down. He watched it and he thought, if he sees where it lands, he'll go down and see what it was. But when it got to the top of the trees, it stopped. And a blue and white light appeared with it or on it. So, Manor calls the police to report it. Instead of ridiculing him, the police take it rather seriously, mostly because officers on patrol had been seeing the lights too. Douglas Harvey was the sheriff of Washtenaw County at the time, and in the morning after the incidents, he was in his office reading the reports about UFOs being reported by several different witnesses. One of his deputies had actually taken some pictures of the UFO. David Severance also drew a picture of the object based on eyewitness accounts. It wasn't just the previous night that people saw these things. It had been happening all week. People are reading in the newspapers that these objects were being seen all over the area. Even as far away as Hillsdale College, students were reporting sightings. The sightings were so widespread and the witnesses were so credible that law enforcement and senators and governors and faculty researchers would all become involved in trying to figure out what in the world is going on. The sheriff knew the manners and found them to be absolutely credible, and he also believed his officers. He requested help from federal officers to find out what this was all about, but his requests were repeatedly ignored. So, Sheriff Harvey reached out to his congressional representative, Vivian J. Weston, and Weston took him seriously and she pulled enough strings to get the U.S. Air Force to send out an investigator. None other than J. Allen Hynek. So Hynek arrives. He and the sheriff drive out to Dexter because the farmer had a sighting in his backyard. When they got there, they observed the grass. It was matted down in a long, big circle. Clearly something had landed there and left. Which is a coincidence because that is exactly what the farmer had reported. That something came down, landed, and then took off. After the investigation, Heinick concluded that all of this was caused by, wait for it, swamp gas. Everyone has heard about this swamp gas explanation. It's the one big thing that discredited Hynek. So now Heinick just looks like a puppet for the Air Force. He lost all credibility with the public regarding UFOs. Nobody believed that explanation, just like they didn't believe the weather balloon answer at Roswell. The sheriff says to him, "First, first you don't know what it is, and now you know it's swamp gas because you talked to Washington. And he said that Hynek responded with, I was told to say that. Hynek gave a press conference where he said that the incident at the Manor Farm and at Hillsdale College could all be explained due to rotting vegetation and low-lying swamp areas. He also said that a dismal swamp would be the last place a UFO would ever land. This explanation was very unsatisfying to a lot of people who were invested in this. Among the skeptics were Sheriff Hardy, who continued to believe that the Manners and his officers had seen something. I'm going to read a letter from the office of House Minority Leader Gerald R. Ford, dated March 25, 1966. We all know Ford. He later became the 38th President of the United States. Washington House Minority Leader Gerald R. Ford, Republican from Michigan, today proposed that Congress investigate a rash of reported sightings of unidentified objects in southern Michigan and other parts of the country. Ford said he believes a congressional inquiry would be worthwhile because the American people are becoming alarmed by the UFO stories. He noted that Air Force investigators have been checking on such reports for years but have come up with nothing conclusive. In the light of these new sightings and incidents, Ford said, it would be a very wholesome thing for a committee of the Congress to conduct a number of hearings to call responsible witnesses from the executive branch of the government and witnesses who say they have sighted these objects. I think the American people would feel better if there was a full-blown investigation of these incidents which some persons allege to have taken place. Another release, three days later, says... Note to all news media, House Minority Leader Gerald R. Ford, Republican for Michigan, today sent the attached letter to the chairman and the ranking Republican members of the House Committees on Armed Services and Science and Astronomics urging that one committee or the other investigate the subject of unidentified flying objects, UFOs. Ford is not satisfied with the Air Force's explanation of the recent sightings in Michigan and describes the quote, swamp gas version given by astrophysicist J. Ellen Heinick as, quote, flippant. So we had these politicians interested in investigating UFOs back in the 60s, just like recently, Marco Rubio was talking about finding the truth about UFOs. Still, they haven't released anything. I honestly don't think that any politicians are going to be instrumental in getting the truth to the American people. When was the last time anyone in Washington did anything for the American people? Sorry, this is this is not a political show. I, I distracted myself. Anyway, Ford received a number of telegrams and letters from individuals anxious to see a congressional investigation of UFOs. Following a request from a congressional inquiry, the U.S. Air Force convened a committee of eleven scientists, and they were headed by physicist Edward Condon. After two years. The Condon Committee concluded, nothing to see here. They said that there was nothing of scientific value in any of the documented UFO sightings. This includes the witnesses at Hillsdale College, it includes the manors, and it includes the police officers who all reported to have seen something. Swamp gas. Who thought anyone would believe that? Heinick who entered this world of investigating UFOs as a skeptic, at first thought, this shouldn't take too long. He actually does a 180 and starts to believe the witnesses and he starts investigating UFOs himself. In his book, The Hynek UFO Report, the authoritative account of the Project Blue Book cover-up, he states that yes, there is a chance that everyone is lying, or insane, or having a collective hallucination but he doesn't think so. In 1969, the Air Force closes Project Blue Book. They say, Let's get out of the business of investigating UFOs. Our business is national security. They don't pose a threat, so let's close Project Blue Book. Hynek feels the opposite. He believes UFOs are serious, and they should be investigated to find the truth of the matter. When he was first asked to help the Air Force, he didn't believe that there was anything to the UFO phenomenon and after spending 20 years investigating them, has the opposite opinion. What does that tell you? He didn't feel at all that Project Blue Book was a scientific project. He also said in an interview that they would never alert the media whenever an interesting case came up, and they did everything they could to keep the lowdown on it. They definitely withheld information from the public. Heineck knew this was a serious problem. UFO stories could not all be explained, and the military should be taking this much more seriously. We now know that there were UFO events taking place that had national security implications. There were cases that never got into Project Blue Book. There were witnesses that observed UFOs at a missile base, observed by an Air Force pilot. There were incidents going back to the 1960s where our missile silos were being interfered with. There were sightings over ICBM bases. We've talked about this before. There were Minutemen ICBMs, or Intercontinental Ballistic Missiles, at these bases. They were in underground silos and were within range of the Soviet Union. In the event of a threat from the Soviets, they could be activated and would launch right out of the Solo and head straight for their targets in the Soviet Union. There were almost identical UFO incidents at two of these bases, at Minot Air Force Base in North Dakota in 1966, and at Malmstrom Air Force Base in Montana in 1967. At Minot, they had 10 ICBMs ready to launch, should the order come down from the President of the United States. If a missile goes offline, there were men who had the task to go out and restart it. The Minutemen 1 missiles were 800 kiloton weapons. The bombs dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki were 20 kilotons. So each base had 10 Minutemen missiles aimed at the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union had missiles aimed at the United States. This is the Cold War. If either side launched their missiles, then the other side would launch in response. We'd all be wiped out. But if one side could disable the opponent's missiles, they could attack and win the Cold War in a matter of minutes. The nuclear fallout would be a disaster for the planet, but hey, somebody gets to win. There are a couple of scenarios that are particularly chilling. The first one is if our radars detect a launch from the Soviet Union, but it's a computer glitch, a mistake, and no launch actually took place, but we were launched a response, so would they, and we'd all be gone. The other would be if our missiles went offline, then we could be attacked and we would have no way to respond. The whole point of the missiles is so we don't have to use them. Well, that's exactly what happened. There was a report of lights at these two bases, two separate incidents. They were red-orange pulsating light, and they were hovering at the front gate. The airman reporting the event said that he thought there was a solid object within the light, an oval-shaped object. The men at the base were panicked. All the guards came out with weapons drawn and wanting to know what to do, waiting for orders. They were told to make sure nothing enters the fenced area. In the control room, alarms started going off. The lights were going from green to red all across the board, meaning the weapons were all offline, not operable. If the president sent the order to launch the missiles at that moment, they wouldn't have been able to do so. Missiles had gone offline before, but only one at a time. This is the only instance that all 10 went offline. They aren't even connected to each other. It's not supposed to be possible to disable all 10. This UFO went over the missile silos and turned them off. This happened at two U.S. bases on two different occasions. All airmen and security involved in the incident were told to keep quiet about the event. As far as they were concerned, it never happened. They had to sign a document stating that they would never speak of this event. So the Air Force closed Project Blue Book and made the statement that no UFO reported, investigated, and evaluated by the Air Force has ever given any indication of threat to our national security. Well, that's not true. The Air Force knew that these UFOs were responsible for the shutdown of the missiles. There are UFOs that we know nothing about, and they seem interested in our nuclear weapons. They have proven to have the ability to turn them off. If that isn't a threat to national security, then I don't know what is. The men at these bases didn't know about the identical events until years later when an article came out in 2021. But somebody knew. The Air Force had to know that this happened at two bases. Dr. Hynek became more and more disillusioned by the Air Force's dismissive approach to these sightings and dismissive approach to the evidence. He realized that this was a subject that demanded serious study. Back when Hynek was in Project Blue Book, there was a case that involved a father and his two sons in Idaho. One day they saw this object come flying down this riverbed and then disappeared. All three of them saw it. Hynek found it quite convincing. He ended up writing it off as something with a natural cause. That was Hynek's official report. Later, when he started to change his mind... He had regrets about that specific case. He said, with that case, I should have said, you know what? It doesn't add up completely. I think there's more going on here. I'm not going to dismiss it. I'm going to try to find out more. That was the turning point in his attitude toward this. He said to himself, how long am I going to call these people crazy? He really regretted his earlier cases that he wrote off as explained by natural causes when he really didn't have a natural explanation for them. After Project Blue Book, in 1974, Heineck founded the Center for UFO Studies, or CUFOS. It was a civilian group composed of very qualified people. All UFO groups are really small groups. There aren't any large UFO groups. But the information that they gather is enough to keep the UFO topic relevant. There is something to this. What? We don't know. What are we looking at? Where did they come from? How did they get here? We can only speculate. Wormholes, interstellar travel, parallel dimensions. Maybe they've always been here, living in underground or underwater bases, or in caves in the poles. Why are they interested in us? Heineck investigated a lot of cases. If anyone had a whole picture of the UFO phenomenon, it was him, and later in his life, he was a believer. You can believe whatever you want. You can make up your own mind. I'm not ready, but the more I look into this, the more I'm leading towards believing. After that, it's answering the other questions. Believe none of what you hear and half of what you read. If you like the show, <clears throat> if you like the show, I would like to encourage you to help support the show. You can help me out with just three dollars a month. Just go to the website and click on support. I would really appreciate the help and would be happy to give you a shout out. Do you have a UFO story that you'd like to share? Is there a UFO story that you'd like for me to look into? Just send me an email at UFOandalienspodcast at gmail.com. I'm Rick Black, and I'll talk to you next time.